I know we have to wait a certain amount of time before it tells me we've gone live. All right. Before it tells me we've gone live. All right. Before it tells me we've gone live. It's gonna play back. Oops. All right, hopefully the whoop is done. Greetings and welcome to Stats on Stats, a lit RPG show here on the Penultimate Conquest. Before we get into it, if you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to give us a like and subscribe to help support us and see more great content like our new Marvel Citric show, The Marvel Mondays Initiatives, where tomorrow they will be discussing the Falcon and Winter Soldier finale, our video game show, The Penultimate Conquest Podcast, and our anime-centric show, Anime Nation. If you've missed out on any of this week's content, check out our website, thepenultimateconquest.com, and check out our VODs, and even see the schedule for the rest of the month, which has finally been updated. Today, I am joined by my best friend and the other guy who reads way too many lit RPG books, Joel. Joel Harvey, how are we doing today? I am fantastic, Rich. I... Hope everyone else is uh, doing well. And yourselves? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. But that's, uh, you know, a story for another time. But <laughs> let's uh, go ahead and dive in to our... Well, actually, before we do that, last week we discussed the world of Dakota Kraut. And... We had a little surprise when Dakota actually joined us in the chat, and that was actually pretty cool. What, a, what, what do you think about that, Joel? That was insane, dude. That was, that was crazy. <laughs> I was uh, a little nervous, but it was fun. Well, that he is... He is really cool. That is good to hear. Uh, give me just one second here. Um, so this week we are discussing the world of Charles Dean, which is his series War Eternus. And the first book is called Beginning. And let's let's talk about this for a second. And because this is a kind of a controversial book series. And when it came to my attention, a lot of people recommended it within the lit RPG genre. So I was always looking forward to it and i actually ended up really loving the series so much jeff hayes does the audiobook for it uh for the first two books and kills it he's an absolute gem of a narrator with just way too much rain or range and shout out to the sound booth audio theater team because they are fantastic people but what i'm gonna do real quick is go ahead and read the summary actually no i'm gonna i'm gonna give my own summary because I don't want to read it word for word. And yes, I know the title is different. I don't have access to change that. So, are you tired of living the same old life? Boring job, being a shut-in? Well, Lee wasn't. Lee was used to working the same thing every day, not really doing much, getting some game time in with his buddy Wolf, and that's it. Until the god of alcohol and crafts augustus reveals himself and says hey i've chosen you to be my herald do you want to be my herald well too bad i've already chosen you so you pretty much have to do what i say well lee finds out that that is true he is the only herald for the god augustus so let's uh say he gets sucked into a world with video game-like mechanics. But when he's sucked into that world, he's an NPC. What? Our boy Lee is an NPC. That's weird. That's the first time I've ever seen this happen, Joel. What about you? Oh, man. Um, yeah, so he's forced into this world. He's an NPC. He can't die or else he's, like, dead for like permanent and uh he's uh the herald of this god and so his job is basically to go around uh proselytizing 
and uh, getting as many followers as he can for this new god. Uh, and that will in turn give him more strength. Uh, am I right? Yeah, that, I, I mean, that is essentially the uh, the gist. But it's not just that. This is where kind of the controversy comes in because it's more of a, hey, you're going to be fighting other heralds to see who will actually end up becoming a new deity. That's the whole premise of these books and just getting more followers for said god. And with Augustus being the al- uh, god of alcohol and crafts, which is somewhat true. Somewhat. <laughs> uh. He has a little bit of an issue because when he first gets into the world, he has like an intelligence score of like zero. Or Augustus tells him he does, but it's actually like five. It's like the bare minimum, which kind of sucks for I th- Lee. I think uh, that's part of his like trait as a herald is once you get intelligence, it basically doubles it. Like that was his uh, herald power. Well, also, it so was kind of a last minute. Five intelligence and it ends up going to like 10 instead. Right. And I mean, it's a he also gets kind of added in a little last minute because the other heralds have been in the world for a little bit longer. Yeah, and there he, was a penalty yeah. for uh, Augustus. Which is fine. But let's talk about how at the beginning of the book, we have the meeting of the gods. Well, that doesn't seem to go very well because Angelica, Lee's grandmother is fighting with Augustus saying, no, you cannot take my grandson. You cannot put him in. So Lee is not just a herald. He has a family lineage with these deities or some of them. When you get added into the whole like, huh? Well, once I start getting divinity powers, he's going to be get somewhat of a divinity type of skills. And one thing that actually adds a little more into said. Um, I'm trying to think of the word. I just lost it. The rules, I guess, would be the correct term for it. He gets these abilities not only when he's inside of Eternium or not Eternium. Is it Eternity? Or of eternity yeah we're eternity that's the game world but it's actually a real world that's that's the weird thing like we don't really see a lot of this happening usually like yeah they're sucked into the game like they're trapped in a vr they're not usually transported to a completely new world well lee is lee is stuck in this world where he meets other players and ends up awakening some NPCs which we'll get into that in a second but he meets some really unique characters that are players they're actually playing of like a VR full immersion game that always confused me uh, so uh, I think they went over this um, but it was yeah, like kind of confusing. Uh, I th- Augustus ends up telling Lee about like the the players, how they're just there to like throw a monkey wrench into uh, the games. Right. Uh, yeah, basically like uh, killing off heralds early on if they like had the chance. Uh. So we, you and I both just re-listened to this series. I, I finished my re-listen this morning. You finished yours, what, two days ago? Yeah, a couple of days. So the players are a unique case because they don't do the whole following thing. They don't pledge their loyalty to a deity. In, at least in the first book. I can't remember if 
later in the series they do. It's going to throw me off. Well, I'm actually going to completely re-listen to it. His um, first follower is... Uh, is Miller. Is Miller, who is one of one of my absolute favorite characters. Let me, do you want to get we'll, into... We'll get into the characters. What is the beauty of Miller? We will. I'm actually going to read Miller's description here in a second. So... <laughs> Justice Heavy Furbolg found out that he has to pay more on taxes than his boss, even though his boss makes five times as much as him. So now he's out killing everything in sight in the name of justice. No one told him what exactly qualifies as justice because of his temper, though. Huh. So here, um, let me go ahead and pull up the cover of this book, because I do love the cover for this book. It's just, it's got beautiful artwork and it kind of captures everything. So here we have our boy Lee in the middle. And then we have Ling, which I will read Ling's description here in a second. But <laughs> Miller is the tall creature standing behind Miller. Or, or Miller's this tall creature standing behind Lee. And if you can see, he has mutton chops. Or the handlebar mustache. I've never noticed that before until I was looking at the cover like point blank. Yeah, so when I first looked at this cover, I totally thought that he was the zombie that he ends up fighting in the trials. Oh, Brian the zombie? We're, Brian we're gonna the cover, zombie. We're going to cover the trials. Um, oh, gosh. So Miller... <laughs> the way Jeff Haley's... Per, um, goes about Miller's performance is perfect. And I'm going to be referring to the audiobook version of this. Like I said, Soundbooth Audio does such a fantastic job when it comes to doing the performance and just capturing the world. And I love it. But so Miller Miller has specifically like the has uh so Jeff Hayes ends up doing an Arnold Schwarzenegger uh impression like I, it's voice. it's got like yeah that like down here i can't i can't do it i'm, I'm not even gonna attempt <laughs> it again that was just bad we're not gonna talk uh, about that ever again um i would play a snippet which i think we can get away with playing 30 seconds of a snippet um just because of you know copyright and all that stuff miller has the temper that i have when i game <laughs> I think is the best way to describe it except he takes it like up six notches like you know I'm at a solid eight roughly when I'm when I get angry I rage pretty hard and if you've seen my streams you you've seen me rage Joel you've played with me multiple times I get mad Miller literally rips a dude's arm off and beats him to death with it my gosh yeah so that's one of the funny things about miller is that normally when people threaten that they're going to do some insane bodily harm to people it's just uh yeah okay whatever that was uh kind of insulting but i don't actually believe you're gonna do it no miller he is a man of his word and he will follow that word to the letter with every graphic detail. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He he really does. Um, there's a, a scene where they are hunting down a person who is kidnapping people. And he, when he finds out about said person, the way the audio book performs it, He's down in the basement, and we're hearing everything from Lee's point of view. All we hear is like a distant yelling of, I'm going to rip your arms out and beat you with them and then rip out your tongue. <laughs> he, he doesn't hesitate. He doesn't. Miller is delivering that sweet, sweet justice, Joel. <laughs> he is a man of his word. Yeah, and I think that's why uh, Miller's one of my favorite characters in this series. Oh, 
he is an absolute delight. And there's scenes where you're just like, oh, yeah, Miller is just a normal guy. He's wanting to be a really good friend to. Oh, no, he's a psychopath. He is a legitimate <laughs> sociopath. Oh, boy. Because he doesn't follow through with one of his promises. And Lee's like, well, you didn't do it. And he's like, oh, well, now I have to make up for it by doing even more. <laughs> Joel, I, I don't think my side carry just. Oh, oh, boy. And I mean, I could talk about Miller for, you know, eons and eons of time just because he is one of the best characters in the book series. He's not my favorite. He's probably in the top three, though. My favorite doesn't come in until book three, though. Top three. Oh, yeah, for sure. Which we'll we'll touch she's, base on the later. We'll touch base on the later characters. There's a lot of tropes that do go into this uh, series. And we have a lot has, of references. There are a well. lot of references. So we'll go back to we meet Augustus. We has to go through the whole flow with him and talk about, hey, you know, you're you're my herald. If you do this amount of, or these, give me these amount of followers, I'll let you come back home for this amount of time. <laughs> you give me this amount of followers, we'll increase it. You give me this amount of followers, and we're going to increase it for whatever time you want. But you so, have to come back. Can we talk about how Lee goes about getting his followers? Yes, we will talk about that here in a minute. And we will bring up his quote. Um, his silver tongue quote. Okay. So he does... For when he's converting people, he does take a lot of tropes from, you know, different re uh, religions and everything, which we're not going to be bashing any religions. We're accepting of all people here. So we're, we'll touch base on that here in a minute. We get to the point where Lee is now. The world is faded to black around him and he wakes up in a coliseum. Augustus has pulled him from his normal life and on Earth. And just throws him into this coliseum and says, hey, we got to train you. <laughs> we got to train you. It's the first... awesome. And we never see Augustus's true form. I should bring this up that he is always in the form of some sort of animal. And there's a reason for that. Which I don't want to say, but I do want to say it at the same time. We'll probably. Because That's a reveal for a later uh, well, we book. do see his true form at the end, but we don't know why people are, are afraid said, of it. Yeah, yeah, why why a person's afraid of it. We don't know anything other than, oh, oh, no, something's happening. And we get this reveal throughout the entire series, which is really cool. They they do play back because this is a key component of Augustus's character. So we have lee he wakes up he's in a coliseum he's like i don't know how to fight what is this <laughs> i'm an it guy yeah like... like i just i work at a company i just do programming software that's that's it my boss doesn't even notice me and augustus throws a strike at him he says hey I could take you back to the exact moment I picked you up or even a week later and your boss wouldn't have even noticed you were gone the entire time. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, that that's a little rough. Like, he's just like striking Lee in the core saying, hey, yeah, you're pretty worthless and no one really will miss you on Earth. Wow. Augustus. Hey, like, maybe you should uh, take it back and notch your being kind of a dick um so insert so brian the, the first the first trial that he fights in the coliseum because they need to raise his experience to uh from level zero to level one to That's level it. one and uh the first thing he fights which is actually is the only thing he fights he only has to go through the one trial. He gets threatened First with another. First, he fights a bunny, right? No, he, he only fights Brian the zombie. 
Okay, so first, uh, Augustus has the enemy be a bunny uh, coming into the Colosseum, and that's when we get our Monty Python reference. No. No. Brian, so Brian is summoned first, and then he gets started with the zombie bunnies. He says, I will throw the zombie bunnies at you. He's like, zombie bunnies, and then he does the quote from Monty Python. Oh, right. Here's the thing. You don't think zombie bunnies are scary? Joel, Brian itself is another Monty Python reference. We get two Monty Python references back to back. Do we? Yeah, because Brian, the undead zombie. The life of Brian was rather long and difficult, but in the end, he was able to look on the bright side. And then he got turned into a zombie used as a tutorial combat (laughs) instruction side for the game. It's literally the life of Brian. So... Um, so we get that and then he gets threatened with the quote of I will throw zombie bunnies. He's like, why zombie bunnies? And I have the quote right here. If I can find it. Oh, you don't think zombie bunnies are scary, but they have teeth like, "Ah." and they can leap like, look at the bones. What? And then he, then Augustus goes, yeah, I'm quoting. You know, the fact that you don't get that reference. (laughs) The fact that you don't get that reference makes me disappointed that you're my Herald. Yeah. Oh, boy. So he defeats Brian the zombie. He levels up. He gets a noob sword. That's what it's called. It's called the Sword of Noobs. (laughs) Which does only four damage. I think, yeah, it's four damage. When he gets into the world... He's going around the town. He's trying to, you know, oh, how am I going to convert people to the Church of Augustus? Yada, yada. He's walking around Stratterfield, which is the the main town. The first town he comes in. It's like the introduction zone. And that's where he meets our boy Miller. <laughs> and Miller thinks that Lee is an NPC because Miller is a player. And the entire time... He doesn't say the term NPC and he thinks that Lee is an NPC and that Lee's just like one of those companions that follows him. And Lee is trying to tell him, hey, no, I'm an actual like person. <laughs> like I'm He's I'm here. To, like stop this crazy player throwing him into dangerous situations because they on the regular. They search for Wings Cat. Yeah, they search or then and they had to go and search for Wayne because she went off looking for cat, the cat when the cat didn't get or come back. So they just do this whole quest chain, which the chain itself is rather. Uh, just blah, I, I hate chain quests when they're just fetch quests. I, I can't <laughs> stand them. But somehow Charles goes to fight some bandits. He does go to fight some bandits. But like when he's like, oh, it's a chain quest. I'm just like, oh, God, no. (laughs) But going back and listening to it, I had a really good time enjoying it because I enjoyed it. It was a fun time. So they do this whole chain quest and end up finding uh, Ling in the bandits camp. Right. Oh, we forgot to talk about a very important skill that our boy, Mr. Lee, has. And it's one of his deity abilities. Or herald, divine abilities. That's what it's called, divine abilities. Golem crafting. He gets to make a little golem. So he makes a mouse named Ethan. (laughs) (laughs) And how many times does Ethan save Lee's astral? Oh my gosh. Uh, Just... On the the fetch quest, uh, well, first to get the cat, he needs Ethan because mm-hmm, he tracks the, it. the cat is trying to get the mouse, and then Ethan tracks down the Ling, and uh, just from like uh, blood stains and finding like scraps of clothing. And the whole time, he is 
saying that his Lord Augustus is leading the way, and the, it's it's this tiny the little mouse, mouse doesn't like that. No, Ethan gets <laughs> pissed off about it, <laughs> and Ethan throws a little temper tantrum. It's adorable because he's just a tiny little clay mouse, and he has a little rapier. He has a little sword, Joel. It's a, it's so cute. But Ethan saves Lee's ass so many times because without him, that's that's Lee's scouter right there. Because they're not gonna see a little a little mouse, you know, running around just scampering through the, the fields and stuff. Which Miller's description when he finds out about Ethan is hilarious. He asks so many questions and Lee's just like, No, he does this. Because Miller asks, he goes, Oh, does he fight other creatures like a snake battling the wall or does he run a little mouse coliseum in a gladiator <laughs> match? And I was just like, oh, God. Miller, you're Does so Miller violent. Miniature armor? Does he have a miniature gladiator arena to bring justice to the <laughs> miniature snakes? And <laughs> Yeah, it it's, is a great scene. It's fantastic. So they go, they save, you know, uh, Ling and everything. Which Ling in this universe is a NPC. She is what you would consider your classic NPC. She doesn't have really any special abilities. She doesn't do anything yet. It's later discovered that Ling, uh, when she starts to follow Lee, she gets the quest prompts. She gets the blue screens is what she refers to them as. Which we'll touch base on that here in a little bit. We're not going too deep into spoilers uh, for anyone who wants to read the book because I don't think we capture the book well enough to do that. But we want to capture it enough to where you would want to go and read it. That's that's the whole point of Stats on Stats. We want to talk about lit RPG books that Joel and I have both enjoyed. So, we're going to fast forward a little bit. We save Ling. We get back to the tower. Or the tower. We get back to the town. I'm tired. So we get back to the town and everything, and they take Ling back to her dad, Ying. I don't know why he did this naming. It just... Yeah. (laughs) It kills me every time. So we get back to town. Ling is back with her father. The cat's there. Cat runs off again. Oh, what a shock. A quest. Et cetera, et cetera. Miller says, okay, now I will take you to the bar like I promised you, and I will get you a beer. Good thing, because Lee is the herald of the god of alcohol and crafts. Yay, drinking. (laughs) (laughs) So we get to the bar, and that's when we meet Ramon. We like Ramon. Ramon's we, pretty decent guy. Like we, we, we like he'll tell Ramon. you all the secrets. Yeah, he and, uh, he's the barkeep. He's the guy you go to for information. He's like, hey, have you heard about this? Have you heard about this? So we get to bar or gets a room at the the hotel and everything because this is his this is his thing. He gets a room at the end, not a hotel. Uh, so we get into that. But there's a little bit of complications because Lee and Miller did kill a few people on their way to the bandit camps that were players. And they want revenge. Of course, their stats get reset to level one when they die. That's the that's the big thing about players. When they die, they get reset to level one. If Lee dies... We we dies. That's a uh, that's a big thing. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> the whole point is for Lee to stay alive. He has to be the final herald, and there's seven heralds. Joel, uh, am I, I doing like a lot more than no, that? I think it's seven. 
If I'm doing my math right. There's at, le there's at least three of Augustus's pantheon, but I'm pretty sure like there's a lot more. From, no, like, I mean from I, I mean from the other gods. They all have the one herald in um, eternity and war of eternity. Um, not all at once. No, I mean they they show up later throughout the series and everything, but all together there's like. I want to say there's seven main heralds that we have the encounters with. Yeah. That's probably, yeah, around that number. Because I'm trying to remember. Yeah, okay. Yep, I'm I'm getting back on track. I'm, I'm getting all the data mixed up from the other books because I remember the series from start to finish. I'm just trying to remember where each part takes place. And I had my notes written down, and my notes just kind of went poof. Poof, they're <laughs> gone. So we get to the bar. Ramon has decided, you know, I'll give Lee a room. Lee starts to hear a noise when he's sleeping. It's these players. A furbolg and a gnome? Or is it a leprechaun? Um, short person. It's one of the I two. I think it's a leprechaun. I think it's a leprechaun. We don't see any gnomes in the series. So, yeah, it's a leprechaun. They try to break into Lee's room. Lee overhears them talking. And they're like, yeah, we're going to kill him. This smug bastard. We're going to kill him. Lee's like, ah, sh now I got to defend myself. Oh, God. What do I do? Like, I keep getting into these dangerous situations. I'm only level three. My sword doesn't do damage. He ends up fighting them off with a chamber pot yeah with a chamber pot <laughs> and then you hear this loud roar coming from down the hall and in comes miller busting <laughs> through like a sitcom character <laughs> and they end up killing these guys it's a it's a great scene it's funny there's a so, part where he's like i hope this is my chamber pot and not someone else's <laughs> either way these guys are getting hit with it whack yeah but we we uh, almost dies what how many times within the first like the five chapter which the chapters in the audiobook form are about an hour and a half long each there's only 12 chapters in the series or in the first book one of the great things about this book is that at the end of uh i don't know if it's every chapter yeah it's there uh, will be a stat screen or uh status update and it's always at the end of the chapter so they will say before the uh status update you can skip ahead if you like lee's uh, character sheet you may yeah. skip to the next chapter that's how jeff Hayes does it and i can't capture how well he does it but i thought that was pretty close i, yeah. I thought that was pretty um, close that, that's just like a really great thing for like a lit RPG. Like I wish more lit RPGs would do that. It does add a new element to it because we are used to seeing the prompts show up all the time. We're used to seeing, Hey, you know, all these prompts and everything. Random numbers popping up during the middle of the story. Sometimes that can get a little annoying if it happens too it, often. It gets, but, uh, it gets very overwhelming. I think at some points, yeah. But Lee doesn't really have a lot of stats that pop up. I mean, later through the series, he does get more more stat screens and more quest prompts and stuff. But in the first book, it's pretty tame. And it's the, it's the noob levels. I think reading the series or reading the first book itself, because I did actually go through the Kindle version with it. There is some writing that doesn't make sense. And Ryan was asking or he asked me this the other day he goes are there ever like lit rpgs you just don't like because i talk about them so much i talk about lit rpgs like i'm always in a new book and i'll take a screenshot send it to the group chat and I'm like yeah hey <laughs> next book and someone even asked me they're like where do you get these and i'm like uh, audible <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> Um, yes, there are what RPG books I don't like. Um, I've been vocal about that with Joel because he'll recommend a series and I'm like, yeah, I don't really care for this book, but you know, it's, it's whatever. I, I 
powered through a few of them and it took me a little bit to get into some of them but that is what it is but we're all about the positivity that's what this show is going to be is about the positivity and our recommendation for what rpg books so joel why don't you talk about actually no yeah talk Here, about when... i will pick up sort of where we left off um there so that night is uh also the same night that miller becomes Je uh lee's follower and uh since he gets his first follower augustus lets him go back to the real world and uh while he's in the real world he can't stop thinking about how he's going to make this work how is he going to get more followers how is he going to uh proselytize uh and get more people so what he ends up coming up with is that he is going to show the world of uh, War Eternus, War of Eternium, War of Eternium, that bacon is delicious. And not only bacon, Joel. And so chicken. is fried chicken. So he so, spends all night on Bluetooth. <laughs> Which is YouTube. Which is YouTube. Uh, yeah. Learning how to make chicken and how to do or make bacon in a medieval fantasy world where they wouldn't have these types of food. And Lord has blessed us with fried chicken and bacon, Joel. <laughs> and waffles. Let's not forget about the waffles because he does bring waffles. Yeah. So we get back to... Which, this is his first trip home. He only gets 24 hours. Yeah, 24 hours for his first trip. Because it's one follower, 24 hours. 10 followers, I think it's like a few days. It's There's like yeah. a, a milestone. It's So, we get there. He goes back. And the next morning, Ramon is like, Oh, I'm so sorry for your in trouble last night. We will offer you anything you want. You get a free breakfast. Just go back into the kitchen and David will cook you something. Which David is the cook, and David's like, I don't like you. Don't touch my my pork over here. This is mine. It's mine, okay? Don't touch it. And he goes, Alright, that's fine. Uh can I have the chicken? And he goes, Well, yeah, you have as much as you want. So Lee goes through his memory and makes fried chicken he has to make sure the oil's right he has the frying pans he's got you know the pot everything and he ends up making you know the chicken and he eats it and he's like oh this is delicious and david the cook is over there like what what is that if you wanted chicken i could have just made you chicken i've been cooking for 30 plus years david you are a gift but no this is the word of Augustus. So we <laughs> ends up giving him the chicken. And Joel, what's David's reaction? Uh, he thinks it's a gift of the gods. Uh, I mean, what would your first experience of fried chicken be if you lived in a medieval fantasy world? Probably some been of the greatest of, thing like, ever mutton. made. <laughs> which hey yeah, we like our pork um, and we like our our beef and stuff but like they have chicken but they they have it in a like a roast type or like you know so over a fire right they the kingdom that uh the kingdom in, of spicy ramen is what it's called is spicy noodle chicken surprise supreme is it surprise or supreme I think it's surprise. They say it a few times in Yeah. King Ramen. That's his he's it's King Ramen of the spicy chicken noodle surprise. Yes, that is the kingdom's name. I had to <laughs> I had to put everything together. They say it so many times and they ref, just refer to him as King Ramen. Yeah, King Ramen, you suck. <laughs> so uh. we get we have the breakfast and everything, 
and he takes it out. Ramon goes, oh, well, I said you could cook as much as you want, but I didn't think you were going to take the entire kitchen. Is David okay with this? He goes, yeah, I think he's pretty fine. But before Lee walks out of the kitchen, he throws David a slice of bacon because he ends up getting some pork that's cured and everything. So he throws him a slice of bacon and he goes, oh, my God, this is amazing. This is great. This is the greatest thing I've ever tasted. We have our breakfast. Ramon tries it. He goes, oh, wow, this is this is great. This is fantastic. Then we get the little interaction between Miller and Lee, where Miller tries the fried chicken for the first time. (laughs) I don't know who has the best reaction to the first time trying something. But I want to say it's Miller. I think Miller has the fir- the best reactions out of most people until we meet, <laughs> you know, our, our favorite character, Joel. Yeah. The the NPC hater. We'll, we'll, we'll refer to her as that for the time being. <laughs> then inserts or in comes Ling where she goes that her friend has gone missing. Well, what's of course what's up? Miller right away is like, oh, we must do this for justice. <laughs> Miller being the first paladin of Augustus, which is ridiculously awesome. So we get the quest and everything that hey, you know, it's time to go find this chick. And there's already been a search party adjusted and everything, which it's weird because Miller seems to be the only player in this town now at this point. Uh, We don't really run into any other players after the chamber pot incident and everything. That's kind of like where the players, you know, fall off. We get the quest and everything. They go and they're like, oh, well, her tracks end here. She's still in the town somewhere. They're out looking in the fields and everything because she was supposed to go meet up with her her boyfriend that her dad doesn't like. It's, you know, the classic lovers thing. But now she's missing. She's still in the town somewhere. Where is she, Joel? Um, so they end up trying to track her down uh, detective style, which is how they find out uh, that she's still in the city. Um. And one of the, uh, whenever they're tracking uh, her down, they end up using Ethan again, who, of course, they uh, attribute the success to Augustus. So Ethan gets pissed off again. Well, (laughs) he doesn't want, and he explains to Ethan, he goes, I don't want to tell them because... They think I'm this holy deity, which we need to well, we need to fast forward a little bit. So we get they find the girl. She's in the basement of the tailor. Mm hmm. This is our first time really meeting the tailor, Joffrey. Well, with a name like that, you know, he's kind of a dick. <laughs> you know, he's kind of messed Your up. Your name is Joffrey. I'm sorry. And but... this is where we get the first time of Miller's rage. Yeah, this is when we get him literally ripping a dude's arm off and beating him to death with it. And this is where (laughs) Ling actually starts to awaken her abilities that she's not a normal person in this world. She is special. Basically, no longer becoming an NPC and starting to think for herself. Yes, she doesn't have the hive mind mentality. She's like, oh, my cats run off again. Okay, that's fine because he runs off every damn day. I'm not putting that quest up anymore. I'm going to follow this guy who I had just met who rescued me the night before because ever since he's shown up and started preaching about his deity, stuff is going weird. (laughs) So, we're going to fast forward a little bit. Joffrey's dead. They find the girl. They're like, oh, no, Joffrey, he was such a good guy. Like, I I couldn't see him doing this. Shut up, Ramon. We'll get to you in a minute. We're going to fast forward. People are still going missing. They have Ethan scout out the house. 
and there's this is where we start to learn Joffrey's about house. this couple. It's a husband and wife, and they're walking away, and they follow them. That's where we get to the mines. Yeah. And the mines are being controlled by a herald, which he is the herald of storytelling. That That is the name we are given. We are never giving his, given his actual name, nor do we care. He sucks. He's the bad guy. So this is where Lee gets his second trip home. They fight through this whole field of, you know, bandits and the miners. They're rescuing people. Lee is badly injured, and he runs into a cage where there are a bunch of women. And one guard follows after him. He says, you're free if you, my God, Augustus has led me to you guys. And he's trying to convert these women, right? He falls over because he's been stabbed pretty... He's he's injured. He's injured pretty badly. And he's on the brink of death. These women are terrified. And this is where we see kind of a motivational moment. They stand up. They fight back against one of their captors. And they kill him. They kill him right there. And Lee's on death's door. And this is where something important happens. It's just like, just thank Augustus. He will reward you with... Uh, if you take the opportunities... That are given to you, and uh, there will just, all be there will always yeah. be an outcome of something greatness. Yeah, just thank Augustus. So Lee is accepting he's about to die. He doesn't. There's five books, guys. Our boy doesn't die, but he's on the brink of death. He's accepting. He passes out, so Augustus can pull him back from the Eternity World. And he rushes him to the hospital. But here's the thing. He doesn't go in his human form, ladies and gentlemen. He goes in the form of a gorilla. And in comes my favorite reference, because it's been five years. So this giant gorilla comes in, carrying well, this... He finds... He doesn't find it out yet, because he's passed out. Well, yeah, but, but I'm getting... I'm, I'm waking I'm, up. And, and they uh, tell him the story. There's a video Wolf, of it and everything. Friend. The security footage gets leaked. <laughs> and Harambe brings our boy Lee to the hospital. And the security <laughs> guards and the cops are all like, we we don't want to do anything. We don't want to be the guy. <laughs> we don't want to be the guy who shoots Harambe number two. <laughs> yeah. At this point, That's I had to quote. I had to pause. Because I was crying. I was laughing so hard. This is probably one of my favorite references in a lit RPG book. <laughs> my boy Harambe gets a shout out. So Lee's in the hospital. And the only reason he gets to the hospital is because he passes out. So when he passes out, he can be pulled from another world. That's pretty cool. I think that's a lifesaver. But he, Augustus wasn't even supposed to do this. What the hell, Joel? <laughs> yeah. Augustus is so, like, I don't want you to die this early. I don't want you to die at all, but you can't die this early. It would make me look bad. Because when a herald dies, so does the god itself. In well, this game. They explain that because the two worlds work differently on a fundamental level. Um, the damage the... doesn't work the same in on Earth as it does on um eternity yeah, so or eternity in war of eternity you're basically your soul and the more damage your soul takes uh down to like level zero of your health bar uh your soul's dead and then you're gone but in real life if someone's on the brink of death they can still be stabilized uh fixed internal bleeding uh whatever damage is done really and so they get lee stabilized uh in the hospital and uh he's there for a day three days or three days no uh, about two days and then when he goes back to sleep he's pulled back which augustus says he can bring him back to any moment the exact moment he goes down etc whatever he gets back into the, the world, 
and we're gonna we're gonna stop talking about the the main story because I don't want to spoil the ending of the first book because I want these I want I want everyone to read it. It's a good series. So we get back to the Earth, and you know everyone thinks that Lee's dead, and so he comes back, and they're like, "Oh, oh God, it's a zombie! Kill him!" He's like, "No, no, 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 no! I'm I'm actually Lee." And so that's when we learn that Lee is actually the son of Augustus. He is the last time Augustus was on Earth. He explains that, you know, he partied. He had a good time with his mom. And nine months later, we find this out while he's in the hospital. Okay, the world finds this out uh, differently than how Lee finds out, which helps Lee explain. Lee finds out in the hospital, but the the war of eternus world miller of all people is basically like (laughs) oh lee has revived he must not just be like a follower of augustus but the son of augustus who else but a god would be able to come back from the brink of death like this no he comes back from the dead he's like you were dead and you came back So we're going to stop talking about War Eternus right here and go on to our next topic, which is more books by Charles Dean. But if you do want to know how the rest of book one ends, read it. There is someone I want to mention, though. And I think we can mention her. Okay. Yes, she does show up in book three, and she is one of the heralds that we don't want to die. And her name is is jade and let me tell you she, ladies and gentlemen she's the herald of the Angelic. blood goddess um yes yeah which is oh what's her name because she shows up at the it starts with an m it's yeah it starts with an m i don't i can't think of it off the top of my head read the book and find out folks I, i'm <laughs> i'm going to the epilogue right now keep talking though keep talking about my girl um, jade yes Anime so Jade is uh, another herald. She's from the same time as Lee in uh, the real world. In the and same city as well. And she is obsessed with anime. And so whenever she gets ported into the world of Eternium, she thinks that she is teleported into an anime. And so whenever she's trying to find her followers, she ends up trying to make her own harem of guys that follow her around. And so when she meets up with Lee, uh, uh, Marie, Mary, do you know? Mary. Blood goddess. Yeah. Mary a six foot two woman whose skin, hair and eyes were all varying shades of crimson and was, yeah. So yeah, that is, uh, Mary, bloody Mary. Of course. How, how um, can we forget, Joel? How can we <laughs> freaking forget? Yeah, so... Uh, Which she doesn't show up until book three, and we'll stop talking about Jade there, even though every time either Ling or one of the characters starts talking, she tells them to quit. She just goes super meta. She goes, and shut up, you like... stupid NPC. I will stab you in the face. <laughs> And but she'll she's be like, like the most adorable character ever. Lee, you are the dense uh, anime main protagonist. And she always brings He's up like, like classic anime tropes like, oh, you, yeah, you're confessing your like love for me. An anime trope. One of us is going to die. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Oh, man. That's so, just my favorite character. Anime she, waifu. She's a great character. And if you want to meet Jade, you got to read the series. So we've talked about the characters and we've talked about the world. Now, Joel, I've read his other series. I haven't read The Bathrobe Night, which does get referenced in this uh, book series because I think The Bathrobe Night was his first series, which is another lit RPG. I I just I haven't dived into it. and I'm probably going to at some point here soon. I am currently reading his new series, Death's Favorite Warlock, but he has a trilogy out called the heroic villain which is from the point of view of the main character is a game developer he's you know owns a or no he's not a game developer but he's a the owner of a big multi-billion dollar company his wife dies 
he goes into the scam world and ends up finding an NPC that looks like her. So he's like depressed and just spends all this time with her in game. But then it turns like shit hits the fan really quickly. That he ends up, he becomes a dungeon like, boss. He dying ends up being, a lot or staying at level zero and dying. So he can spend time in the new world because he doesn't want to. But the heroic villain is fantastic. It's a completed trilogy. War Eternus is completed. Bathroom Night is completed. So his new series is Death's Favorite Warlock. I'm about a fourth of the way through on Kindle, and it's fantastic so far. Because who doesn't love a good Warlock, Joel? So we've talked about <laughs> that and everything. Have you finished Heroic Villain, Joel? I have finished book one. You've finished book one. Okay. I I think that's as far as I got in that series. Okay, I can't remember how far you got, and that's where I was. I didn't want to. I don't want to touch too long way on that series because Charles Dean just does such a good job when it comes to creating a universe, and I don't want to give away too much when it comes to that because spoilers are never fun and i feel like we i've talked a little too much about this but this is the only way i'm i know of that would be able to intrigue people i guess well that's just the book we're covering this week yeah we're only talking about war eternus book one which i believe is called beginning yeah I'm looking up all of his books right now. So, yes, we have The Bathroom of Night, number one, The Beginning of War Eternus, Bathroom of Night, volume two, Bathroom Note, uh, Bathroom of Night, volume three, Heroic Villain, Heroic Villain, one, two, and three, War Eternus, one, two, three, four, and five, and then Death's Favor Warlock. Those are all of his books that are out so far. I highly recommend reading either just one of his series. I'm probably going to start the bathroom night tonight. Honestly, Joel, <laughs> I'm probably going to hop right into it just because I do love the author. He does such a good job of creating a world that is unique. I did see where some people say that he, the first book is poorly written for War Eternus. And there are some scenes where I'm like, that could have been worded a little bit differently. But overall, I think it's a great book. The first book is the dullest of all of the books because it's the setup. It's the world building. The noob levels. That's yeah. kind of like that's how most traditional lit RPGs. lit RPG at this point. Um, just to have the noob levels. And some people don't find that interesting. I totally get it. Some people really like uh, like the starting of a new story, like getting attached to a character. Um even if it is like low levels where they don't have as many skills or uh, can be as awesome. Uh, the overpowered badass yeah. is the best way to put it. When we and that normally RPGs, comes towards the end of the series where they're just God mode and they just, yeah. In rare occasions, wreck we, everyone's face. In rare occasions, we do get the, not really the badass overpowered, like right at the start, but pretty pretty early on, we do get people. They normally that find like an exploit. Uh if they're like super badass early on. Yes. And the super badass early on does have there are a few series that do that pretty well. And then there's the books that just have the grinding out everything. Like we're gonna grind for so and so time. Joel, you know exactly which series I'm talking about. We'll talk about that series later. Um <laughs> So, we've talked about War Eternus. We talked a little bit about the other series for Charles Dean without going too much into details because some of them do take place within the world of War Eternus. Joel, what is your recommendation yeah. for this week? Or this, since we are now a bi weekly show, I should say for this two week period. Because um, we got picked up for bi weekly. Well, if you have the time. Uh, currently I'm reading, normally I go through what book I'm currently reading. So currently I am listening to The Ten Realms by Michael Chatfield, but he has another series that is just outstanding. I love it so much. Um, where you're going. yeah, uh, it is called Trapped Mind Project 
and basically think of the matrix if the real world was a video game so they raise them in the simulation of earth and then bring them to the the game world real world and they have to fight off aggressive species for this alien race and it is really interesting really cool um yeah the main characters uh he kind of just is super smart in the way uh his class is a conjurer and the way to get stronger as a conjurer is to uh figure out how things are made like so he goes into smithing he goes into uh alchemy and basically takes things down to like uh breaks it down to like the crafting stage and becomes a better conjurer that way hey hey joel it's a really great series hey joel what's his race yo he is a dwarf half dwarf he is a dwarf conjurer uh and he becomes a smith so if you really like crafting books uh that'd be a great series i recommend it 10 out of 10 we should specify that it's that trap mine project is book one in the series yes, is Emerilia. It is Emerilia is the series, yeah. So I will go ahead and give my recommendation, which Joel, if everything goes according to plan, two weeks from today, the uh what is it, the ninth? Yeah. Our next episode no. we're gonna have a certain guest on, which leads into my recommendation of Pangea Online. The first book is called Death and Axes by S.L. Rowland. Now, this is a treasure of mine because this is the first audiobook I've ever got. Or not audiobook. This is the first lit RPG book I've got that's actually uh, signed by the author. I got this the day I moved to my new place. And it's just something that holds I hold really dear to my heart. And also, the series is good. The third book just dropped on Audible on thursday and i listened to it in a day yeah and that's the next book we're doing uh or is so pangea online we're going to talk about if you if- want to nerd out with us in the twitch and uh talk about this great book you have two weeks yeah it's a pretty totally easy... totally knock it out if you do the actual book. book it's less than 300 pages if you do the audio book i think it's like eight and a half hours it's pretty it's a easy quick read but it's also another sound booth audio theater productions. And Justin Thomas James is actually the main narrator. Jeff Hayes and I don't think does Jeff Hayes is Annie Ellicott. Annie Ellicott and Lori Catherine Winkler are both yeah. in it. I might be wrong. Don't hold that against me. I'm double checking before I, you know, rec- actually get done. It is most of the normal no, it's just, sound booth. Yeah. It's just Justin Thomas James and Lori Catherine Winkle. Okay. Because she does the voice. Normally when they do a book, they will have one female uh, narrator and one male narrator. Sometimes. Usually, like, especially in War of Eternals, it starts out with one. In the later books, they'll definitely have, like, uh, more characters that they'll add in, and they might add another voice actor for that. Right. Uh, Um, War Eternals, it is Jeff Hayes for the first two books, and then... Or, or Annie Ellicott comes in in book two, three. Yeah, because yeah. she does the voice for Jade, and it's perfect. So, yeah, I, she's a great voice. She does. <laughs> I, I Like I said, I love the Sound Booth Audio Theater team, and I did read Carrie Summers' other series, the um, Tales of a Northblood, and it was fantastic. I read the first book because it was exclusive to their app, and it was worth it. So we've done our recommendations. Joel, you, uh, did yes, trap did. you did the Trap Mine project. I'm doing Pangea Online. Yep. Because next week or next episode is the world of Pangea Online with author FSL Roland, if all goes according to plan. So, Joel, what are you plugging? Same thing as normal. Uh Twitch. Uh Sir Valor Hunter. Uh twitch.tv forward slash Sir Valor Hunter. Uh, I do video games, all things gaming. I love all things gaming. I will do 
talk about books. I will play some some video games. I've been playing Diablo right now. I'm not sure if I want to stream more of that or not. Um, and then I also will sometimes dive into game creation with either Unreal Engine or uh, asset uh, development with uh, Blender. Heck yeah. I'm still a newbie at that, so don't hate on me too much. <laughs> uh, yeah. So look me up. I will talk about lit RPGs all day. Anything gaming, really. And both Rich. of our Twitters are always open. So if you do want to shoot us a message and be like, hey, what's a if, like if you want to ask us personally, like what is a good series for a beginner? I'm more than happy to sit down and talk with you, figure out what you like. And I will give you my personal recommendation. I will do that. But you can find me over at twitch.tv slash Dolphus, as seen right below on here on the screen or just my Twitter handle. Same thing at Rich Dolphus. And you can also find me here on the Penultimate Conquest channel. Be sure to tune in for the rest of the week where, like I said, tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern time, they will be discussing the Falcon and Winter Soldier finale on the Marvel Initiative Monday or Marvel Monday's Initiative. I messed up the name. (laughs) But as all things lit RPG, This has been Stats on Stats. Thank you all for tuning in.